Revelation. And um, we've tried to carry a chapter at a time, but uh, chapter 14 is um, a prelude to the the things that are going to now really start spiraling downward for the world. We've seen um, the calamities. We've seen the <clears throat> the miracles, the preaching of the word. And we saw in chapter 14, the first part of it, uh, the angels now are coming with the sickles. They, and of course, this would be the grapes of wrath uh, that uh, we've talked about. Now God is really getting to business. Uh, Satan is now cast out of heaven. He cannot go um, the, the, into heaven or into the spheres of the universe anymore. He's and he's going to concentrate his power and think that you know he's fighting a retreating action, but he's going to lose. That's one of the strangest things to me in, in all the Bible. Is how can these things be predicted, and Satan, who's very intelligent, know it, and yet keep fighting? That shows us the power of blindness. It shows us the power of rebellion, because. I don't think Satan thinks he's going to lose. For some reason, he thinks he's still, still going to win. Why is it that uh, people can see the hand of God in their lives over and over again, and they defy God, and they keep fighting him? The blindness of their heart, until God gives them over to reprobate minds where he's not working with them anymore. This is what we see with Satan. He's not working with them anymore. He never has, of course, since the time. But... Uh, it's one of those strangest things to me in dealing with people, dealing with a society, dealing with a nation, is when people turn away from God, they go into darkness and blindness. And the book of Proverbs says they don't even know what, at what they stumble. And yet they stumble, they're miserable, and yet they keep fighting God. Now, and by God's grace, we know that there are those, and that's the reason we never say that, oh, God's given up on that person or that self-God-forsaken person or whatever. No, we don't have that revelation. God did not give us that. He tells us to preach the gospel to every creature, every person, and to keep preaching it. And uh, we don't know what God is doing in that heart and how that he's calling. And so don't, uh, I've had people tell me, well, just leave them alone because, uh, you know, they're off into sin and they're not going to come back. I'm going, whoa, wait a minute. How can you play God? How can you judge? Uh, and they will, and of course, there are certain sins that just are more repulsive to, than others. And uh, <clears throat> that's what happens a lot of times. Oh, that person's off in that sin. They can't ever get saved. Who says? They're going to name one. And we've said the two, two things that will keep people from being saved, as far as we know, are what? Death. In the mark of the beast. Other than that, we don't know. <clears throat> and so we see now in the, the book of um, Revelation, chapter 14, we see the one thing uh, that the, we see these angels coming now, and they are, they are preaching the everlasting gospel, we see in verse 6. And that's the only time in the Bible that we see God using angels to directly preach the word of God. Now he will anoint, he will, an angel will anoint someone or give a message or whatever. Uh, <clears throat> we see that time and again. But this is the only time that where we see worldwide evangelism, remember they're up in heaven, uh, above where Satan can reach them, and they're preaching to everybody. 
And so we see that uh, there, before this great period now of 42 months or less now, uh, probably uh, now getting down to three years or less, we're seeing that uh, now those last 24 to 30, 30 months are going to be extremely horrible uh, on earth before the Lord Jesus Christ comes again. But so we see that uh, now in verse 14, let's go back to that and we're going to concentrate on, as we said, this is the proclamation or a preview of things to come. And so we want to preview now that last ultimate battle that is going to uh, be concentrated and it's going to lead up from chapters 15 now <clears throat> through the uh, book of chapter 19, we're going to see the lead up to Armageddon and all the things and the turmoil and things like the world has never seen before. And uh, the time of Jacob's trouble, I mean, just horrible things that, uh, that as bad as the Holocaust was and bad as some wars have been, there's nothing that's going to be compared to these final months before the Lord Jesus Christ comes again. And so we see in verse 14, he says, Then I looked and behold a white cloud, and on the cloud sat one, capital, uh, capital O, uh, like the Son of Man. So we know that's the Lord Jesus, uh, having on his head a golden crown, and in his hand a sharp sickle. So now he's coming back as judge, not as Messiah. And, um, or of course, he is Messiah, but also judge, a sharp sickle. And another angel uh, came out from the temple, crying with a loud voice to him who sat on the uh, uh, cloud, thrust in your sickle and reap, for the time has come for you to reap, capital Y, you, to reap, for the harvest of the earth is ripe. So he who sat on the cloud thrust in his sickle on the earth, and the earth was reaped. Now, everybody know what a sickle is? Now, uh, these old farm implements, uh, people don't know what they are, but it was like a a blade, kind of like a hook. And they would, you could, uh, you would swing it and you would cut the wheat or whatever with that sickle. Or... um, and so uh, out in Kansas, they used to call them shockers. What they would do is they would do it by hand with those big, uh, they would swing from side to side. And then they would gather the wheat in shocks, they called them. And I think one of the universities out there are called the shockers or whatever, you know. But uh, it's not that they were electricians. It was that those shocks of wheat. Um, and so... Uh, so we see that the Lord is about ready to reap. And we call that, of course, the grim reaper. Now, he came the first time as the Savior, the Lamb of God, and he is the Lamb of God, but he's also judge. That is why I say uh, it's going to be good to meet the Lord in the air. It'll be good to stand before the the judgment seat of Christ and uh, receive the things that we've done, whether good or bad. But it would be a terror to stand before that great white throne years later, a couple of years, several years later, where he says, depart from me, for I never knew you. And so we see that he is 
he is a loving, caring, gracious God. But he also tells us that there's no way to heaven except through him. So now we see that uh, <clears throat> the earth will be reaped. And then verse 17, Then another angel came out of the temple, which is in heaven, he also having a, a sharp sickle. And another angel, so notice the angel, angelic activity, came out from the altar, who had power over fire, and he cried with a loud, uh, loud cry to him, who had the sharp sickle, saying, Thrust in the sharp sickle and gather the clusters of the vine of the earth, for her grapes are fully ripe. And again, that would be a smaller sickle that they would use for grape pruning and so forth. And so actually we call it a pruning hook or whatever. So the angel thrust his sickle into the earth and gathered the vine of the earth and threw it into the great winepress of the wrath of God. And again, we said that, uh, of course, the picture of that, that uh, God's judgment, uh, and it's been used uh, by <clears throat> in the, even in the Battle Hymn of the Republic, uh, you know, thinking that God was, the Civil War was that great wine press, but which it wasn't. And then, <clears throat> but the Grapes of Wrath and other things we've talked about. And the wine press was trampled outside the city. What city? Jerusalem. And the blood came out of the wine press. Now, the blood of the grape. But this isn't grape juice. Up to the horse's bridle, about four feet. And one thousand, for 1,600 furlongs. And from what I understand, that's about 200 miles. And so we're talking about carnage like the world has never seen. I think of some of the battles that uh, uh, we read about. Uh, one of the worst battles in history was the Battle of Verdun back in World War I. And uh, the French and the Germans just kept throwing uh, soldiers into that battle. And they were just getting mowed down. And one of the, whoever gave out first, they thought, would win the, win the war. And so it was a horrible situation. And 800,000 men died in that battle. 800,000. Now we know that this battle is going to be bringing millions of people to Jerusalem at the battle of, uh, that's going to be in that valley and uh, that goes up to Jerusalem, um, the Megiddo Valley. In fact, um, when Napoleon, who was no great saint of God, um, he, uh, when his fleet was destroyed uh, by the British, he had no way to get back to uh, France. Uh, so he tried to take his army up through the Middle East. Uh, through uh, what is now, of course, uh, Israel and so forth, um, back in the 1800s, and uh, about 1806, I think. But uh, he got to that battle, and from, uh, to, from, from what the story is, is, he looks at the Valley of Megiddo, and he looked at the topography, and he looks, of course, he was a master general, a, a tactician. And he said, this is the world's perfect battlefield. You know, he looked at the, how that you could hide armies behind certain things and all. The, he looked at it and he said, my, this is the perfect battlefield. 
uh, the strategy that if you just know the typography of the land, what you can do with it. And so we see that God knows that already. Now, <clears throat> in this then, we see a lot of things that we're going to look at. First of all, we see that uh, we see that he has given power to the Antichrist already in chapters uh, 13, uh, verses 7 through 9. We go back to that, and we see that he says that um, it will be granted to him to make war with the saints and overcome them. And all authority was given him over every tribe, tongue, and nation. All who dwell on the earth will worship him, whose names have not been written in the book of life of the Lamb of God, uh, slain from the foundation of the world. If anyone has an ear to hear, let him hear. So there, again, we see those, uh, those warnings, warnings, warnings. But now the battle is coming. Now, with that, of course, we say that, let's just turn back to the book of Daniel now and see how the, uh, we say that the book of Daniel and the book of Revelation are so well tied together because Daniel gives us a prelude to this, but uh, and he tells us about the Antichrist. In chapter 11, in verse 36, we see that uh, he says, Then the king shall do according to his own will. He will exalt and magnify himself above every god and shall speak blasphemies against the God of gods and shall prosper till the wrath has come or has been accomplished for what has been determined shall be done. And he shall regard, uh, regard neither the God of his fathers nor the desire of women. He goes into, excuse me, a description of the Antichrist there. Many people believe that as a result of that, he was probably... Uh, homosexual or whatever. And so we said, oh boy, is that leading all up to this now? Uh, so we see that uh, uh, that he had a lot of problems. Uh, he, uh, he just divide, the, divide God, and when you divide God, you divide God's nature. And that's the reason we see that when a country like ours defies God, not only do we, uh, do we fall into sin, but then we attack his institutions. We attack his order. And that's the whole uh, situation today with what we're seeing in America. Now, I always I grew up and they would say you can't legislate righteousness or or morality, and so they would always come out with what is pornography and what is it, you know, all these things, and you can't legislate it because people are going to do what they want to do. But we are finding today that you can legislate immorality if you don't go along with it. We're going to. But hurting on you. It's kind of interesting how that uh, Satan can turn it around. And really, you can't force a person to do right. People, if you, I mean, it doesn't matter how many rules you put up or whatever. If people are determined that, uh, to do something, they're going to find a way around. They're going to rationalize or whatever else. And so uh, it's from the heart of man, from, out, for, for, from within, out of the heart of man, proceed evil thoughts and lust and so forth. And so we see that um, that this is coming. And so Daniel tells us about it, uh, and that uh, he's going to be cruel. And chapter 9, we see that, uh, that this covenant that was made with Israel, of course, in the first three and a half years, uh, we've seen that he's going to bring, try to bring peace to the earth. But in chapter 9, verse 27... We see that um, 
that uh, he says, then he shall confirm the covenant uh, with many for one week. Uh, but in the middle of the week, and there again, that week of years, seven years. And so he's going to confirm that covenant. But in the middle, the last three and a half years, he shall bring an end to the sacrifice and offering. And on the wing of abominations uh, shall be one who makes desolate even unto the consummation, which is determined, is poured out on the desolate. Now, that's an interesting statement. He says, in other words, uh, and we see that uh, Ezekiel and others tell us that he is going to now go into Israel, and Israel will have unwalled villages. Now, of course, we know they don't have walls around them today, but that was an Old Testament terminology. If you didn't have walls around your villages what, or around your, around your cities, what, you left them defenseless. So we know that he came as the great peacemaker. And Israel is going to make peace with the people of the world, but they now have left themselves defenseless. And now he is going to make his move. And he's going to desecrate the temple. He's going to do all these things. Um, chapter 38 of Ezekiel. Um, well, let's just turn. Well, uh, we don't have real time to go into that, but there's Ezekiel 38 verses 5 and 6. Israel will be thinking she is at peace, but will be invaded by Russia, Persia, and Germany. Now, wait a minute. Germany's on our side. Hmm. Uh, you think so? Uh, you see how fluid and how fickle those European nations can be. And, uh, you know, we, we've seen that today. And we don't know, you know, Germany, sometimes we, we wonder about, about her and uh, what's going on over there. And, of course, uh, she's losing respect for our country. And whenever you lose respect for the people that are protecting you, then you start looking for better protection or at least an alliance with somebody else. And we're seeing that with China. They're moving into a lot of countries that we just took for granted that they were with us. And now they're moving into Brazil, Saudi Arabia. They're putting ports on the uh, western side of South America, uh, Mexico. I mean, just all these things where these alliances are changing uh, right under our eyes. Now, I, I don't, I'd like to say right before our eyes, but we're not even seeing it. Uh, we're over here playing around with uh, uh, <clears throat> with how to make the military uh, unisex or whatever else, and uh, you know we got people up there that are passing edicts, and now we got to the point that uh, uh, there's a lot of us that are not. We're telling young men not to go into the service right now because I mean. You, Young men or ladies. I mean, it's a wild situation out there right now. And uh, it's just not worth it. You get in there and you um, and you don't call somebody by the right gender and you could lose your rank, you could lose your uh, everything. So, I mean, we're playing around with that while we're having Russia and China and all the rest of these countries building up. Now, I don't know if this is the prelude to Armageddon right now. It might be a thousand years from now. But the Bible tells us to be, pay attention to the times and seasons. And this certainly looks like it's coming. So that kind of keeps us, you know, if it's not, then Lord, it sure looks pretty close. But so what are we to do? We're always to be ready. 
for the son, for a matter as you think not, the Son of Man is coming. So we want to be ready for the Lord Jesus. And to me, it's sure that we got the technology. That's the one thing that uh, these things lined up before sometimes. And people thought, well, Mussolini is going to be the Antichrist or Hitler is the Antichrist or whatever. But they didn't have the technology that we have today. And technology had to catch up with prophecy before God. But now we're getting to the point where, I mean, we've got chips, facial recognition, all these different things. Um, and pretty soon we won't have to have credit cards because they're going to embed the numbers on our skin. Now I am canceling a credit card because if we, if the uh, credit card company, the big one of the big major banks, finds out that they don't like our politics, then they'll cancel the card. Well, it's the one card that I got for my wife for whatever I had for my wife. I've, I've got her another one now. But so when she traveled or whatever, then I could keep track of what she was doing or we could get and be separate and we wouldn't have ours mingled together. And most time we will mingle. But, but whenever she's off on her own for doing something or like buying glasses the other day or whatever, then we know exactly what the budget is and all that. Well, uh, I don't want her to get off into Kansas or someplace else and then get a little note or, well, not even note. You find out later on uh, that, that she's been canceled because... Her because her husband put something on the internet. You know, that's what they're doing today. That is scary. But then if they say, uh, we're going to cancel your card unless you put that little number, we're going to put a suffix on every card. And what number would that, what suffix would that be? 666. And uh, you don't have to have that card anymore because, you know, cards get lost, but we can put it in your skin. And we could even uh, keep uh, people from stealing your identity because now we could even use your DNA every time you use your card. And so we know who it is. Doesn't that sound great? Oh my, it sounds like ultra control also. So we see all these things are coming. How close are they? Uh, we have been surprised at just how degenerate our country has come in the last two years or four years let alone the technology that now is caught up. So all these things are coming together. And we see that, uh, so Russia and Persia, which is Iran, uh, and we see Iran is really making inroads. And uh, then Germany, somewhere, uh, Gomer is what it's called in Ezekiel. But then the Northern Confederacy, which is going to be those countries, the Northern countries will be defeated by God and um and the Antichrist will establish worship for himself in the temple uh, of Jerusalem. All these things are kind of mixed together, but he's going to uh, be worshiping together. But then we're going to see other movements coming along. We're going to see, yeah, Russia's defeated, but she's going to rise back up. And that's not the Battle of Armageddon. And then we're going to see the kings of the east <clears throat> that are going to be mentioned in Ezekiel. And they're going to be marching. And of course, who's the kings of the East? China. And who else that, uh, who knows what else could come together from those, that Eastern bloc? Right now, there's been a great hatred between China and Japan. But my, if we keep forsaking people, then they start making alliances to protect themselves. And my, we are losing the power and we're giving influence to other the Philippines look at the Philippines uh, 
They love us and hate us. They don't trust us, so but they won't. They want our protection, but if but they're they're to the point now though that they're thinking if they don't protect us, we're going to go with China. I mean, we're really playing with fire there, that South China Sea and all that. And you know, I say who can blame them? I you know <laughs> there again, but uh, again, they're not there to be the little buffer between the United States and China. Uh, they want to know if. Uh, are we going to protect them or are we going to be on their side if something, Taiwan, all the rest of these places, they're all kind of jittery about what's happening because they realize that we're losing. You know, that's why I say the Lord doesn't need the United States. And we've always said, well, we're sending out missionaries and look, we're protecting Israel. God has taken care of Israel for 4,000 years and he doesn't need us. Now, we need to, we, we are blessed. We need God. We need, to, we need Israel because God tells us that he'll bless those who bless them. So yes, we need Israel more than they need us. But uh, again, all these things are coming together and the world atmosphere is changing. That's why I, I want to give you these references and you can read them for yourselves. Um, in Ezekiel, especially chapter 38, verses eight, 18 and 19, it talks about these conglomerations that come together. And then in uh, the battle, and again, well, just stick in Daniel. Let's turn over to chapter 11. In chapter 11, verses 36 through 39. Um, let's see. Then the king shall do according to his own will, and he shall exalt and magnify himself above every god and shall speak blasphemies against the god of gods. So we've just read that. And shall prosper till the wrath, and, and notice he shall prosper till the wrath has been accomplished. For what has been determined shall be done. He shall regard neither. Uh, he shall not know the God of his fathers, nor the desire of women, the God of his fathers. This is an interesting. Uh, there's speculation. In other words. He came, did he come from a Christian background? Did he come from a Jewish background? Some people even think that he might be, uh, the Antichrist might be Jewish. But look at, the, look at the anti-Christian Jews that are in America today. Now, I'm not saying, boy, I have to be careful with that because I'm not anti-Semitic. But it's interesting, the very people that we want to bless are the ones that uh, don't like our country. I mean, that... I hate Christianity. I mean, and all. I, I don't want to get into that much politics, but just um, it's amazing how that. Uh, but there again, I am not anti-Semitic. I want to see them saved, I'm just like uh, Paul said. And of course, they hated Paul, but he said, "I would, you know, I would be willing to go to hell if I could get my countrymen saved." So there again, Paul, a Jew, was not anti-Semitic, and so we see that um, he. Uh, shall regard neither the God of his fathers nor the desire of women, nor regard any God, for he shall exalt himself above all. Um, but in their place, he shall honor a God of fortresses, power, and a God which his fathers did not know. He shall honor with gold and silver and with precious stones and pleasant things. In other words, he's going to 
build that uh, quasi-temple, or he's going to defile that temple with all that. Thus he shall act against the strongest fortresses uh, with the uh, foreign god, which he shall acknowledge and advance its glory. Of course, we know that would be the the uh, false prophet would be uh, advancing the Antichrist. The Antichrist would be advancing uh, Satan. And he shall... Uh, and he should cause them to rule over many and divide the land for gain. So here we see they've moved into that city and they are now, or they're moving into that city, they're invading and they are now wanting to destroy uh, God's temple or God's um, work. Notice in verse 40, and the time of the end of the king of the south shall attack him and he sh- uh, and the king of the north shall come against him like a whirlwind with chariots and horsemen and with many ships. And he shall uh, enter the countries. uh, uh, He shall enter the countries, overwhelm them and pass through. He shall uh, also enter the glorious land. So here we see that uh, uh, he's he's going to, uh, to come against the king of the south. That's always been an interesting one. Uh, does that mean uh, the African nations? We don't know. Uh, but there again, there's going to be a conglomeration of um, of nations that are going to come against, and then the kings of the east and the kings of the north. So here we see that, uh, oh, Antichrist, even though he's tried to bring the world together, they turn against him. But he's got an international army of his own. Um, and so we see uh, he's going to enter the glorious land, and many countries shall be overthrown, but they shall escape from his hand, Edom and Moab and the prominent people of Ammon. And he shall stretch out his hand against the countries and the land of Egypt and shall not escape. And he shall have power over the treasures of gold and silver and over all the precious things of Egypt. And also the Libyans and the um, Ethiopians shall follow at his heels. Um, so he's going to really have an empire there for a few weeks. But news from the east and the north shall trouble him. Therefore, he shall go out with a great fury and destroy and annihilate many. And he shall plant the tents of his palace before the seas, the glorious holy mountain. So notice again, he has exalted himself uh, in his fortress. Uh, yet he shall come to his end and no one will help him. So this is where we see God is using the Antichrist and then all these alliances. And he brings them all together to fight one another at the Battle of Armageddon. And yet, in the end, really, they're going to be fighting the Lord. And so we see the kings of the east shall trouble him and so forth. And Satan knows um, the Lord. Satan knows um, that the Lord will return to the Mount of Olives. Why? Because he heard him say, uh, this same Jesus whom you saw go up into heaven shall likewise come back um, in the clouds the same way that he went up. And that's Acts chapter 11 and Ezekiel chapter 14 is a prelude to that. Um, and so we see, and we know the Lord Jesus when he comes again is going to plant his feet on the Mount of Olives. Now that's technically the second coming. The rapture, where do we meet the Lord? There's two things. Okay, 
the rapture, where, where, where will the church meet the Lord? On the ground? No, in the air. But when the Lord comes again, which is technically the second coming, he's going to plant his feet on Mount of Olives. And then he's going to march into the city in that eastern gate, and that ultimately is going to be the triumphal entry. And he won't be on a mule that time. He'll be on a white horse, which means a conqueror. And so we see all these things are coming up to this. And we see there's going to be one great final battle. And in chapter 19, then let's just turn over to that. Uh, This is why I'm giving you, what I'm trying to do here is give you outlines and so forth. Uh, But I don't want to spend five years in the book of Revelation. Because, like we said, the book of Revelation, uh, so many other Bible passages tie in. You start off with Genesis, and uh, we call it biblical theology. There's a systematic theology where you'll take grace and you'll trace it through the Bible or you'll, you'll uh, develop it uh, and so forth. But then there's what we call biblical theology, and that's what you'll take like the Lamb of God, and you just follow it through Exodus and Leviticus and you just, Isaiah and John. And all the way to the book of Revelation, we've done that. You know, you've seen the 10 major times that you see the Lamb of God uh, and the provision of the Lamb, the necessity of the Lamb, the uh, purity of the Lamb, and all those things that we see. All And you just trace it right on through the Bible. That's called biblical theology. Um, and then you have what we call systematic theology. And okay, this is the doctrine of salvation. So you go to Romans, you go to John, and also you... you you don't go through the Bible, although you can with biblical theology. You can do it either way. But, um, but that's where we come up with uh, things like uh, predestination of men or the free will, or, excuse me, predestination of God or the free will of men. And that's, those are big arguments there. Well, that comes from systematic theology. But, uh, but the book of Revelation pulls biblical theology together. Revel- uh, Genesis starts and just spreads out. And all the major doctrines in the Bible start off in Genesis. But then the book of Revelation, they all start coming back together. And that's why you just can't, I mean, you could spend years in the book of Revelation because it pulls all the rest of the Bible together. And so we see when we just mentioned uh, Ezekiel and Daniel. But let's turn over to chapter 19 now in the moments that we have left. And let's just look at that battle that uh, happens. In chapter 19, Verse, uh, let's see, we'll begin in verse 7. Um, we say, uh, now of course we know this, the wedding supper of the Lamb has happened here. He says, let us be glad and rejoiced and give him glory for the marriage of the Lamb has come and his wife has made herself ready. Now, in the Bible, the Lamb is whom? Jesus Christ. Who is the bride? The church. So here you have the, the marriage supper, and it didn't happen here on earth. This is, remember what we say, the scenes switch back and forth in the book of Revelation. You'll see in heaven, and then you'll see on earth, and you'll see in between, and so forth. But uh, so you see the lamb has come, and his wife has made himself, herself ready. Uh, really, I think more of the Lord's helped her get ready. You know, <laughs> He's purified her and given her robes of pure white. Uh, and to her, it was granted to be arrayed in linen and uh, clean and white, for the fine linen is the righteousness, righteous acts or righteousness of the saints. And so God has now purified us. 
we are now ready to march with him. That's why I say, um, you know, take riding lessons because there will be horses in heaven. And uh, you'll want to be on the horse in back of the Lord, not in front of him. If you're in front of the Lord during this time, you're in big trouble. Just like at the great white throne judgment. If you're in back of that throne, you're in good shape. But if you're in front of that throne, you're going to be condemned for eternity. You know, was it real estate, location, location, location? It really matters where you stand with the Lord, technically as well as spiritually. Do you know the Lord is your Savior? So he says, then um, in verse, uh, um, let's let's go on over to verse 17. And uh, he said, then I saw an angel standing in the sun, and he cried with a loud voice, saying to all the birds that fly in the midst of heaven, uh, come and gather together for the great supper, uh, the supper of the great God. Now, that's pretty gross. Think about it. God commands the birds to come and you're about ready to eat some things. Yuck. <laughs> I mean, we're talking about gross stuff here. But like we said, this battle is something like the world has never seen. These last three and a half years, uh, in the last several months, especially before the Lord comes, uh, well, the Lord says, if those days hadn't been short, shortened, there would be no flesh saved. So we see a total destruction. He says that they may eat the flesh of kings and the flesh of captains and flesh of mighty men and flesh of horses and all those who sit on them and the flesh of all the people. Ugh. And, uh, and free and slave. And those, uh, uh, there's going to be all kinds of people at that battle. Um, and I saw the beast and the kings of the earth and their armies gathered together to make war against him who sat on the horse and against his army. Now, who's his army? We're back, right? We're, we'll be looking again tonight, today at the Lord of hosts. And that's, the, that's a, a technical term meaning the captain of the armies. Uh, and so, um, and of course, the Lord is the captain of the armies. <laughs> so we see then um, the beast was captured and with him the false prophet who worked signs in his presence, and we've talked about him, uh, by which he deceived those who received the mark of the beast and those who worshiped his image. And these two men, uh, these two were, excuse me, these two were cast alive into the lake of fire, burning with brimstone, and the rest were killed with the sword, which proceeded from the mouth of him who sat on the horse, and all the birds were filled with their flesh. So we see that we'll be with the Lord, but we won't be doing the fighting. But we never do the fighting. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against spiritual wickedness in high places. And what is the... Uh, what is the weapons of our warfare? They're not carnal, but spiritual. They're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. And so really, it's the Lord who fights before us even today, as well as he'll be fighting and going before us at the Battle of Armageddon. Um, it's so deep, like I said, that I can't do justice with it in a Sunday school lesson. And yet... I really don't want to get into birds eating flesh either. <laughs> so, I mean, it's it's all just awesome. The political, the social, the religious, all the things that come together at the end of the age for this to come to be. Um, like I told you before uh, during prayer time, 
uh, we're seeing a great movement in spiritual. I was I pray for a man. I told I'm praying for three men. I want to see three men that I could really uh, that that we could disciple, bring in. Um, uh, and really, if you have if I have three good pillars of the church, you could really do a lot. And I'm praying that God will help us. Every time we get somebody, they'll move. You know, so it's been that's been the difficult thing around here. We got them in Alabama. Oh, by the way, I got a picture of uh, Brennan and and uh, uh, and Courtney and their baby. And he's got a beard now. He looks pretty sharp. But uh, uh, his birthday was last week or last uh, yeah last week. So I sent him a birthday card. But uh, but you know they're down there ministering to the Lord. The uh, um, Blazers up in Wilt, uh, up in, uh, so we we've lost a lot of different people. So Lord, give me some people that we you know will stick around for a while. But uh, here we see that uh, that I was talking to this man, and um, he said that he was he's part of a, a leadership of a church that was part of one of these larger denominations. If I named it, you know what I'm talking about. One of them's right here in town, and uh, they are going off in all this. Uh, gender bending and all that kind of stuff. And they are really, uh, and so he met, his church uh, met with one of the leaders or the leading council of uh, this denomination. And they said, now we've got this lady preacher and she she really knows the Lord. And uh, we're going to ask her to open in prayer. And he just sat there astounded because she just prayed a prayer that I mean, she prayed to the gods of the world and all these different things. She was so new age that it just, it floored him. She didn't even pray to the Lord Jesus. Oh, she named him along with others. And this is one of the major denominations in our country today. And of course, we're all going to come together in a one world religion because we're all in the name of love, right? No, no. It's just amazing all the things. I mean, just it seems like every week I see something. And if you look, I don't want to be looking for the Antichrist behind every pew or behind, you know, every tree or whatever. But it just keeps reminding you of all the things that are happening. That, uh, but the Lord's coming. And the great thing about it, I'm going to escape the wrath to come because God tells me he's going to take us home. And that's why I want to be part of the rapture generation. I hope that the Lord comes and gets us and we could look around and tell Abraham and all the rest of them, hey, we're the one generation in all the history of the world that never died. Wouldn't that be good? Uh, that's what I'm praying for. Oh, even so, come Lord Jesus. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Oh, Lord, use us for your glory. Lord, help us to reach people in these last days for you. Give us men and women who love you. And Lord, that uh, will stand for you in these last days. For we pray in Jesus' name, amen.